Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Star Home Entertainment, Lou Arkoff, Colleen Camp, and Stan Winston, Academy Award-winning special effects artist for Jurassic Park, Terminator 2, and Aliens, present Creature Features. All over the world, there are tales of mysterious sea creatures possessing magical powers with unparalleled beauty. They are just stories. Everyone knows they aren't real. Show's over. Can we offer you a ride home, sir? I came to your show tonight because I wanted to warn you of the danger. Everyone, until now. She has powers the others don't. She murdered my wife. A real-life bleeding mermaid. You'd love to show that as a freak. This is our ticket, Lily. All hands prepare to get underway! I have a bad feeling about this. That beast doesn't belong here. You caught me by surprise. I hope I didn't scare you. Lily and her husband Angus are about to discover... He's dead. She can read my thoughts and she did this for me. ...that what lies behind the legend... What is it you want from me? ...is the most unthinkable truth. It's not the mermaid. It's something else. Rufus Sewell, Carla Gugino, Gil Bellows, She-Creature. She was trying to edit or uh, give notes on footage, and that's why I was wanting to leave her alone and let her do her thing. Um, yeah, she, says she, she says that she'll be on soon, and uh, but yeah, I just wanted to let her uh, do her thing. But I, I was surprised that uh, that I, I liked it as much as I did. Um, so I would like, uh, yeah, it was. I one killed him. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Oh, no. <laughs> Relax, you're not going to jail. I said I'm going to hell. Oh, well, I can't help you there. Yeah, that was funny. And, um, yeah, go ahead. Welcome to Inside Movies Galore, uh, everyone. Uh, uh, how was your week? Eh. The week uh, weekend, I, um, Jillian and I went to, uh, Raleigh Supercon, which was cool. Um... Yeah, I had never been there before. Uh, did you see my buddy horror show Jack there? I did not, but I also wasn't oh. looking for him either. Well, who so, was there? Um, Jack but, is pretty cool. I wonder if we could get him to like take stuff up for me. I wonder if we could get him to like take stuff up for me at cons. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but, sure, yeah, if you want to work his booth or do something for him and like pay him back, and then you know, equal oh, of course like, I'd you pay scratch him back. my back, I scratch yours. You know. Yeah, but I had never been there before, and it was nice because, uh, uh, you know, something different. It wasn't uh, the here. It was not Dragon Con, which is in Atlanta and is like at least ten times bigger. But you know, it was cool because unlike Heroes, the Heroes Convention in Charlotte, they actually have like you know celebrity. I mean, the Sh Heroes has a lot of comic book artists and stuff who have those, and you know, some famous writers that'll come for signings but like this had like Alice Cooper was there and a lot of wrestlers and 
you know, some voice actors and things like that. Uh, Karate Kid people were there, so, you know, that, that was my weekend. Did you meet Alice Cooper? I would, I would like to have. He was kind of uh, either taking a break or going away by the time that I saw I saw him. I did not get to talk to him, but I would definitely like to have. He may, and I don't know if he'll be back for Dragon Con or not, but... I He's great be. to talk to. I yeah. met him in Chicago, and he was just a delight. It was like talking to an uncle about, you know, old-time stories, and he's pointing out where his, like, wife is on an album cover, just, you know, that somebody was having signed, and it was just a really nice experience to talk to him. Oh, so yeah. he he's my he's, a, party he's a great guy. Just he went to your Christmas party? He went, no, he went on my Christmas cards. The picture of Ryan and I with Alice Cooper was on our Christmas cards. Oh, okay. 2016, I believe that was. It's like, damn. Let me just watch yeah. the play. No, Alice Cooper. Oh, he's, he's just a good guy in general. He's very, like, centered now. You know, after many years of him not being, you know, in control with himself, and then now he's, like, very, you know, uh, Stable. In concert several years back at Summerfest, uh, uh, along with uh, Iron Maiden. You know, he wasn't the one that streamlined the show because Iron Maiden kind of <laughs> was the sellout for, uh, for him. But uh, I got to see his daughter. Uh, I think he's coming to the State Fair, isn't he? He is coming to the State Fair this Friday. We actually saw him with Hollywood Vampires at Summerfest last summer. That was a really good show, but. I know the tickets are kind of expensive for state fair, so I don't know if we're gonna go. A little pricey. It's an expensive summer around here. Yeah, are you going to flashback? No, no flashback for me. Oh, yeah. Except, except, except for except for Vietnam flashbacks, right? Uh, well, well, maybe I, maybe like Desert Storm. I'm a little young for Vietnam. Well, I really wanted to go. Um, I had a ride lined up earlier, but like they couldn't do it anymore, so. I'm like Fun. upset and want to and want to go. <laughs> well, let's see how much a bus ticket is. <laughs> a lot. Uh -huh. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, tonight's film is. Oh yeah, we're doing a podcast. Back on topic. <laughs> oh yeah, we watched a really crazy Cinemax movie. Yeah. <laughs> tonight's uh, film is going along the sa uh, same uh, lines th uh, th that we have uh, been, uh, except it's. It's a little bit of a different mermaid uh, 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 film from last week, where it was more of a romance. So um, a little bit. <laughs> why don't we start with uh, uh, with uh, Brandon? Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, your? Was this your first time seeing the film? Oh yeah, I mean I'd seen the original She Creature. Uh, but this doesn't really remind me a lot of that one. Um, but uh, I went ahead and uh, I got the same uh, set that Dustin had uh, so I could view all four movies. And I watched all four back to back. Uh, and I, I looked at that and I thought that they definitely were trying to angle for an additional f uh, film in that series, especially with the original name. But it was, to me, I thought that it was a pretty good film and to me the best film on that uh, collection that's a pretty bold claim because black water is on that collection too and black what water is, that? is like amazing. a creature feature some uh, kind of creature feature yeah thing? it's a it's a four pack dvd from mill creek it comes with red water black water yeah i know she creature <laughs> and anaconda <laughs> Uh, Red Water is about a shark. Black Water is like a suspense kind of thing uh, with crocodiles in Australia. About an octopus um, with a lot of ink. Uh, well, no, it's uh, it's like this boat capsizes in a mangrove swamp, and these two girls and one of their boyfriends like have to like climb the mangrove trees uh, to avoid this crocodile that's just kind of patrolling. It, it's sort of hard to explain. It's a really straightforward story. Well, yeah. that one was really good and genuinely frightening. Like, you're scared for these characters. And well, they don't make it out, either. I, I was actually hoping for one to die, so I... I, I she annoyed the heck out of me, and I wondered how she lived as long as she did. Uh, she but, did die. Uh, she bled out. Yeah, but it took the whole movie. Truth, I'm not... 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 I'm
Do you know they used all real crocodiles in that? Like, they were just done with composite shots? The film was directed by... Um, anyway. Uh, 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 <laughs> by the name of Sebastian Gutierrez. And uh, he was also the uh, director yeah. behind uh, Rise Blood Hunter, and he was also the screenplay uh, writer behind the American Eyes version of The Eye. Also, yeah. the screenwriter of Snakes on a Plane. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's just keep on coming. I actually really thought it was a cool, almost dark fairy tale uh, atmosphere. Uh, that they presented with this particular film. The uh, setting of the ship, to me, was one of the more original concepts. I don't know of many movies, horror movies, mind, that the setting of the horror movie is on an old-timey ship for the whole thing. That's that's a pretty cool concept. I like that, too. Yeah, yeah the only thing that really comes close is that scene in Dracula. I mean, like uh, in uh, uh, the original, well, any version of King Kong, um, except for like Kong Skull Island, but like where it's the ships sailing to uh, to Skull Island. Hey, um, quick note on the ship: Did you any of you guys see the name of it? There's a horror comedy with uh, Liam Neeson in it called High Spirits from the '80s that had a <laughs> theme. Um. Where, uh, where, like uh, some of the pictures in the in the uh, in the mansion uh, would actually come alive and um, uh, and had a kind of a sea-like scene, uh, uh, you know. Not that it was a, a total all-out, you know, uh, on a ship kind of uh, 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 kind of vibe, you know. Uh, when the ship ran aground near the end, did anybody else notice that? The ship's name was the Mary Celeste. I did not. Of course, I watched it on my laptop, so I watched, it on, my, I watched it on my phone like a few minutes before the. <laughs> before the <laughs> show to go on. Well, what's interesting <laughs> is I that um, Mermaid Chronicles Part One. So, uh, so I'm wondering if it was was part of a film series dealing with mermaids at one point in time that they were beginning. Never happened. That never happened? It yeah. never happened. It was only just part one. There was never anything more. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably why they just stuck with She Creature. Well, um, it was which, USA. Which let, me, which, let me tell you, that was... I really dug the movie, but the thing I didn't like... There's a couple things I didn't like, one of which was the title, and then... See, okay, here's the thing. I went into this blind, and then I looked it up later, and I realized, oh, okay, they took the same titles from American International Pictures films, but not the same uh, premises. And I got, and I realized, oh, it's on Cinemax. And oh, is it not a remake of the original? It's not. Shooting? It's not. It just uses the title. It's a little they're, bit like uh, they're remakes in spirit. Yeah, but it's, it's like Tom like uh, version of the thing. Yeah, like uh, when when Tarantino used the title Inglorious Bastards, but you know did his own thing with it. Yeah, uh, sure. but, but you can throw out the old ones because they did such a good job on those new ones. Damn. Yeah, well that that was the thing. I, I so I went into this blind and because I remember I was like seeing the title and I was like, this is such a exploitation movie title for this movie that honestly feels very like classy and i was like you know that's and it's like they're actually seemingly you know paying attention to the period details fairly well and you know you got the ship you got the i don't know it's just and i'm a big sucker for i love period pieces i love um stuff that takes place on old uh you know sh uh, sail i like that stuff it? too and I'm yeah. really spoiled by how good it is on the Outlander TV series that, like, watching this 2001, mm -hmm. you know, HBO-produced movie, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it feels like a Skinamax movie, totally. Yeah. It, yeah. it had, like, just well, that right amount of cheese to feel that way. Yeah, well, that, that was the thing. I was, like, I was very pleased that they seemed to be caring about, you know, the periodness of it uh, relative to... Uh, TV movie of that time period, but um, 
And, uh, well, yeah, I didn't like the title, but then I understood why they had it. I wasn't a big fan of, like, the red filter when they went into first-person death vision. Uh, I thought that was, yeah, really, like, that was, was really too much. Especially because the rest of it is trying to be, like, a really legitimate movie. Um, and I also didn't like the very opening bit, which, because that, that makes you think that it's going to be, like, this really cheesy movie. And then it starts off, and you're like, oh, look at that. They're, they're really trying. Black and white, doesn't it? Well, it's like a flashback but... scene or whatever of that. The yeah. life of the old man. So, yeah. yeah I, well, and I, I get why it's there. It's just more like, you know, it was not a good It was not a good way to start, even though the rest of it immediately afterwards is like, oh, you know, this is, it feels like a whole separate movie has started, but, you know, well, but, a, but a good shot. one, you know. The film was shot in 18 days. What does that uh, tell you as a director? Yeah. Oh, uh, shit, really? Yeah. Yeah. That was really good for 18 days. Huh. Yeah, definitely. And I have to give a special shout out to the main uh, actress who is Carla Gugino, um, because... I honestly, I was, like, really blown away. I thought her performance was quite good. She was able to play very, like, cultured, and then with a dark past, and then just absolutely losing her mind, but trying to not, you know, trying to keep it together. And it's like, that's a, you know, that's a lot of different layers there. And especially, you know, she's not trying to act crazy. She's trying to be stable, amidst everything and uh i uh yeah i thought that was a good way to play it and special shout out because she played uh um the mom in spy kids and she was sally jupiter in watchmen i would never have thought that those were the same people mm -hmm. and uh every single person and i know i was very impressed because like she didn't look the same she didn't act the same didn't sound the same um, yeah, and then meanwhile, Gil Bellows, who uh, you may recall from Ally McBeal, he played Billy, um, or um, you know, he's been in a couple. Like he was in that movie. Was that uh, Billy? Yeah, he was. Yeah, the first guy. Yeah. That killed, he was the uh, guy who was. He was in um, the House at the End of the Street. Or Miles. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, but he was in the House at the End of the Street. He was in uh, the extraterrestrial movie which uh, Screen Factory put out. You know, he's been in some other movies since, but, like, that's where I knew him from, was Alan McBeal. Apparently, uh, he and Carla Gugino are married in real life, uh, which is kind of interesting. Well, I guess it seems like whenever you have that kind of friction on screen, obviously they're close in real life. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. I have to say, I know Carla Gugino primarily from Watchmen. I, I noticed on IMDb she also starred in Sin City. I forget what role she was. But uh, I always think of her as the character from Watchmen. And the reason why is I thought she sucked in Watchmen. And so anytime people <laughs> do a great job, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. And I was yeah. pleasantly surprised here. Yeah, it wasn't. That wasn't really her fault because the the stuff that uh, that gets used in the film is not anywhere near what she was capable of. Because if you've ever seen uh, Watchmen under the under the hood, the uh, you know little supplemental documentary, um, if you watch that, you get to see a lot of the nuance that unfortunately was missing uh, in the screen version of the character that the way that the character's written in the graphic novels a lot uh, you know a lot better than what ended up in the movie but you know, yeah you i actually got a ton of layers to it so it's it's really difficult to even getting what they got on film for watchmen must have been extremely complicated oh yeah definitely but i remembered her from uh spy kids that's where i knew her from initially I... I recognized her from a, a Netflix uh, uh, ver, uh, version of Gerald's Game just oh. recently, which oh. she she played the a woman that was entirely left handcuffed to a bed. <laughs> um, but, uh, and realizing that this was her, 
that was a, a little bit different to myself. <laughs> the other, one other little mini complaint that I had, which also made sense once I looked up the history, the person who played the actual mermaid herself, um, whose name I cannot remember, but... Uh, I that. Yes. Um, she, I thought, like her face, I thought looked very... 21st century in a way that kind of clashed with the rest of the period. Um, there's something about her that just did not look like what I, again, this is kind of a prejudice of mine, but she didn't really look like what I imagined a mermaid to look like. And she looked mm-hmm. like she belonged in like a, a Andy Sedaris, you know, Cinemax action movie from the 90s or something. And well, then, I, then I looked it up and I was like, oh, well, the Okay, I get it. Well, she's supposed to have kind of a supernatural otherness to her. Yeah. So don't you think that really fits in with It does, character? especially now that I know that, you know, what it's made for and everything. It's like, okay. Also, like, in, in my head, when I think mermaid, uh, which, again, this is very, very subjective and not very fair, but, like... Your preconceived notions about mermaids. Yeah. Um, when I think of mermaid, I think of somebody with the face of like a, you know, Rosie Huntington Whiteley, uh, or I don't know if it's Whitley or Whiteley, but um, or like Miranda Kerr, uh, or I don't know if it's Kerr or Carr. I'm getting my names wrong, but um, for whatever reason, those two people, I immediately thought those those could be mermaids. Um, Who are they? They're one of them, they're both models, um, and. Uh, uh, Rosie Huntington Whiteley was the girl in uh, the third Transformers film, and she also was one of the brides in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Um, did anyone uh, know that um, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Woolrich, which is the older man that, uh, that uh, kind of had the mermaid to begin with, um, mm-hmm. uh, evidently Christopher Lee was offered the role would have been cool. That would have been pretty cool. I was kind of disappointed when I saw that. I looked at this guy's credits, and one of his credits was a Clockwork Orange, so that's kind of fun. Which role did he play? Uh, I don't remember the exact role. Let's see here. And as far as the actors go, I always like seeing Jim Piddick. He's a fun character. He's the one that played the captain. It's always... Let's see, in Clockwork Orange, Deltoid was the character. I don't oh, Mr. Deltoid, yeah. The evening okay. is a great time, isn't it, Alex Boy? Yeah. While, we're on, while we're on characters, what do you guys think about Angus? Uh, like, I knew I'd seen him somewhere oh. before, and I knew, he was, I knew he was the I'd bad guy him. in A Knight's Tale. And I was like, oh, it's Count Agmar! Well, I, I remembered him from, I knew I'd seen him before, but I couldn't remember where. I just found out he was in uh, Kenneth Branagh's version of Hamlet. He played uh, Fortinbras. And uh, he also he played in a series uh, for quite some t- uh, time uh, called The Eleventh Hour, which was a, which used to be a UK series at one point in time with Patrick Stewart. Uh, but, uh, but they reprised it for a season, uh, which was uh, I thought it was actually relatively decent at the time. Yeah. Stars in the Man in the High Castle. I'll see that one of these days. Okay, I, know, I need to see that too. I know, I know him from a, that underrated magic movie, The Illusionist. He was really oh, good. Oh, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but yeah, that. Um, he was also the protagonist in the Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that one of his eyes, like, his eyes kind of go in slightly different directions? Rufus Silas? Yeah. Okay, I can see that. They do, like, that. Like it's not major, but they do go in ever so slightly different directions. They don't point in the same exact direction. Uh, I was thinking more about, like, his character. Like, I thought his character was cool. Yeah, I liked, I liked that he, he's kind of, like, I, I kind of wanted, um, speaking of other mer-people things, he, uh, I think that his character was a bit closer to what I would have liked, um, uh, what's-his-face, uh, Michael Shannon's character to be in, um, The Shape of Water. Like, he, 
was clearly not doing something right, you know, something that is, you know, it's best to leave the creatures alone or whatever, but at the same time, he wasn't, like, a bad person. He was just greedy and was, but he wasn't, like, a two-dimensional cardboard cutout, and that's more the vibe I was getting from Michael Shannon, albeit well played by him, because he tends to play unhinged very well. Um, But I felt like this character had a bit more layers to him. I was really impressed by the depth that he had, too. Like, yeah. he gave him a lot of great jokes, too. Like, that was one of my favorite things about this. Just memorable great, great lines. Jokes, great jokes, and I liked the fact that it starts in Ireland, and you don't really see a lot of movies of that period. That st- They usually start in, like, London or something, and granted, you had a, you know, British leading lady, you know, the character, not the actress, but... Um, I like that he was very Irish, and, you know, you have a lot of Irishmen in there, and it just helps to provide a little bit more variety. Um, yeah, if you can, if you can do, if you're in that region of the world, and if you can do, like, you know, Irish or Scottish, it's like, there we go, that, that, or Welsh, it's like you can add a little bit more zest to it than beyond what we're used to. I actually thought the cast had pretty good chemistry overall. So I kept thinking to myself, this guy is going to be his wife or uh, throughout half of this, but he never did. He never really showed himself out to be a truly bad guy, other than killing the one guy at the beginning. Yeah, that was even a total accident, too. Yeah, but that's why I liked him, is I I feel like oftentimes in life, in movies we tend to like, or audiences for whatever reason tend to really glob on to the bad guys who are just like rage monsters and granted there are a lot of rage monsters out there but you know that it's i often find that some of the more uh the people that can do the most damage are the ones who have good intentions and who aren't necessarily bad people but are led astray by misinformation or by human desires like greed or whatever and those can often end up being the most destructive forces, you know. Um, I was I was genuinely sad at the end when he died, too. Like his la- like his last little speech of like reassurance, like I just wanted a future with you and to grow old with you. And then he like yeah. tries to slow the monster down and fails. But it was like, aw. I liked that there was a ca- uh, 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 cameo by uh, Gil Bellows uh, who played Tommy in Sha- uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mentioned. He was Billy in, uh, in uh, Ally McBeal. I well, honestly, I felt that bad about most of them getting it at the end, although I felt a little bad about the, the other two that came from Ireland, the other two, uh, Bailey and what was the other dude's name? I don't remember what the other guy's name was. Like, I just remembered Bailey because they said his name a lot. I just felt kind of, was it Gifford or? That might have been right. Yeah, I, well, just, I like the, uh, uh, them came across as more decent and not quite as, you know, I just, Rufus Sewell to me seemed more headstrong, not really listening to anybody, not really, you know, and and the other two seemed more reasonable and, you know, or at least, you know, I don't know, I felt worse with them than I did with the other. Well, she said uh, we were going to go to America with the mermaid and be rich, not let's kidnap the queen of the Watsits and... That turns into a monster and eats people. <laughs> I like that. Um, one, of the, one of the things I also liked about this, which I don't think a lot of... a lot of Here's the thing that I really liked as far as period accuracy, is that they uh, were able... They ha- I think it was uh, Bailey uh, was... His accent sounded Caribbean to me. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I would say that. that, yeah. That's what I thought. Well, what I liked about that was in the opening when they said zombie, um, and he was, of course, the zombie, because in that time period, in that industry, then, of course, the one with dark skin in a light-skinned country, they're going to signal him out as the other, so he's, like, you know, the perfect candidate for it, but at the same time, like, he's one of the gang, and there's that kind of delicate relationship that, like, the captain has where he's, like, I'm not opposed to him coming on board so he's like being uh, uh, being in the same room with them so it's like he is being progressed is also acknowledging his own it, it, like acknowledging the system as it existed at the time and that kind of stuff and it's like 
there's some surprising, <laughs> surprisingly delicate hand handling of the, uh, you know, social, uh, racial politics of the time in a way that wasn't uh, out of period, but also wasn't. It didn't make it about that. It was. I felt like it was actually fairly believable for the time, and I, I appreciate that. Whenever they seem to, whenever people get that more or less right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, I, I liked how they, like, were so accepting of him too. Because it was, you got the feeling that the circus was kind of like this whole like band of misfits who, yeah, were, like all like, the circus is the great equalizer, you know. Yeah. and that's uh, like, that that's and they treated it as such, but they also they also didn't ignore the fact that at that time in that place, you know, it wasn't that now slavery had been outlawed in England long before it had uh, in the U.S. I don't know, I don't know if it was long before, but like they got, they were ahead of us on that uh, front, and so you know, uh, and they also just didn't have, they yeah, their our history of you know slavery and racial identity is baked into us in a way that you know whenever any kind of racial issues are brought up with uh, England and Europe in general, it can often be more nationalistic than it is in America in a way that uh, or just it seemed like they were doing their homework is basically what I was saying. Yeah, there was, there was kind of a little bit of interaction that I really liked too where like after the show it's like, can I go out to the pub? And it's like, no zombies don't go to the pub. And he was like oh, come on. <laughs> and like you think it's kind of going to kind of go in that direction but instead it's just like, nope, I need you to do, the, to do this thing instead. It's like, but I always have to mm. do that. Welcome to show business. Yeah, I like that. Actually, I had a question about the rest of y'all. At the end, I, well, I wasn't 100% surprised with the ending. I wasn't quite uh, 100% where it was going to go. I had an idea where it was leading, but I thought that it could have been different. At the end, enough to where it still kept some freshness at the end. There's also a part of me that kept thinking to myself, ah, she's going to take the other person and they're going to uh, take her and uh, she'll be a mermaid at the end or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wondered about that. The, and I, the, the child, which the other thing, I wasn't sure if it, I guess it was just that the, the mermaid had that control over her while she was conceiving the uh, the child or whatever because I was the child's a mermaid that. yeah that's what I was wondering was like how that yeah. works because the uh, well because the mermaid her, herself is the queen so she's a female and she's not able to you know impregnate her in that yeah, same okay. way but and yet the, uh, the explanation I saw was that like the mermaid could Possess, that was that the mermaid could use its like mind powers to possess women, and yeah. so that's how even an infertile woman could conceive if she was possessed by the mermaid. Uh, that's kind but, of what I figured, but although I I totally knew that as soon as they were mentioning like the whole pregnancy thing, I was like, here we go, you know, mermaid kid or you know something like that, and that that was again not bad. I just had you it was very it was kind of expected in a movie that was. More unexpected than, or more of a pleasant surprise than I thought I was going to get. Well, I think they were going to do a second. It really, to me, I felt like they were setting up to do a sequel to that. Well, they were. Yeah. That, uh, I, and I, I like the I like the mythology that they were building, and I would have liked to see them continue it. You know, because I I like that they had the mermaid not speak English and have like webbed hands and. The, you could see where two legs could come out of the the rear of the fin, and she had like dorsal fins, and uh, you know she had shrieks rather than words. Uh, but the thing for, was designed by Stan Winston. Yeah, I was just but, gonna say now would be a great time to maybe yeah. let someone else talk about the special effects in the movie. That was like that was Sorry. way more interesting than the characters. Like I thought. Anyways, but yeah, Stan Winston Studios did the special effects, and they did, like, species and alien resurrection and stuff, and I thought 
we um she creature kind of looked a little alienish to me yeah sort of but i could see that these were the people that did you know jurassic park and stuff you know? and pumpkin head i saw i saw a fair amount of pumpkin head in there I, oh, that's, that's that's why that was, transition that, well, that transition where she transitions into one that's what i was gonna that's what i was trying to get at before with the uh the rear, the rear fin, you could see how it was split into to where that could turn into human legs. And you notice that her sounds, uh, like the sounds she emanated, were much more explicitly human when she was human. And then as she shows her true colors, then she's just full-on animal. And, uh, you know, so that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought the effects were were the highlight of the movie for me, really. Like, the storyline was okay. I was entertained the entire time, but the special effects were cool. Like aside from like the CGI water and like island, um, yeah. the two thousand one like horrible CGI of, of little landscape little of water. Little yeah, I've totally. Seen, I've seen worse. But the, I've seen worse. The practical effects were right on. I thought. Yeah, I think the the, I, the I heard somewhere that I was like the effects held up more. Like they had to make a no keep on. Um, I heard they had to make a body double type thing, like all the stuff they built, like uh, a replica mermaid for s shooting certain scenes in that tank and stuff. I that thought something like, looked off. Yeah, it was like a two hundred pound like dummy. Uh, mermaid for like some of those shots. Well, uh, oh, so like when they carried her, yeah, or yeah. when she was floating in the tank, like near the beginning, and it's like, wait a minute, yeah. like something looks slightly off. Like, I thought that too. Is that she, uh, uh, Raya Kilstead, she spent three hours in makeup a day. Three so hours ain't shit, let me tell you. When I do my makeup, I could spend eight hours on that. <laughs> three hours is pretty good. I mean, I'm sure there's like five people working on it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that looks like that's a several-person job, but uh, oh, for sure, for yeah, sure. I, but if all you can I, do is sit for three hours, not bad. Yeah, but I, I like that they were able to, you know, have her be a mermaid in other part. Like it's not like in the Little Mermaid how there's perfect human half perfect fish half you know there's you can see that it's more blended throughout um and i again i like the mythology that they were setting up as far as her you know mind control and kind of emotion control because not only were, was uh um the main uh our leading lady not only was she you know getting more animal in her desire to have a baby and everything but then the men were getting more aggressive with each other and you know, I, I like the idea that the physical presence of some creature can influence the emotions of the people around uh, the creature. Notice how as soon as she got legs, they got all rapey? Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and I was like, oh man, how could you be, like, this is so clearly a bad idea. This thing has killed at least two people. This thing has killed at least one person that you know of, yeah. definitely more. And they're like, let's mess with her. It's like, no, like, I'm sure that that was probably the, uh, oh, yeah. the after effect of, that's just, that's just, probably the effect that they were going, you know, with uh, the fact that, you know, they were getting more aggressive by being around. Is that when the captain that. kills himself right after that? Yeah. 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 Which the captain was starting to lose it, and I was like, Jeez, you know, you're supposed to be the voice of reason here, and you're like... Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah go ahead and let the guys have some fun. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She had gotten to him, too, though. Like, she made him go... Yeah. Of course. Yeah, she was clearly working at uh, her magic on everybody in that room, even though she was the object of their interest, shall we say. Is um, anyone else amused that no one seemed to miss Miles? Uh, <laughs> they're like, ah, he's drunk. We'll find him later. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Um, which uh, I actually have to give Gil Bellows some uh, credit there for that one scene that he had, pretty much, uh, just because uh, out of all the you know rapey, sexually aggressive kind of moments that I've seen in film, that was one of the more memorable ones because 
is kind of a chilling monologue uh, that you're like, where's this going? And then you find out where it went. And, uh, you know, and then you understand why he says it, although it's, again, very sexually aggressive, but you get, you know, what prompted it. But um, the uh, out of all the moments like that that I've seen on in film, I thought that was one of the better ones. And well, and I felt like they were setting up the uh, Lily's character, like, to talk about her backstory. And I didn't totally mm-hmm. understand if, if that was supposed to... If somehow her backstory was supposed to connect her more to the mermaid, or why that you know why we needed to know about that um, know, beyond just the for the killing of the Miles character, like I felt like there was some thread there. I thought maybe somebody else might I articulate think, that better. I think it's trying to show that. Um, trying to think. Uh, I think it's trying to get to the heart. Of, I mean, you could have probably had the film work without that, but I think that it helps to establish... Like, was her... there a parallel they were trying to draw there between her and the mermaid somehow? Like, I think it was... Well, that they could have been doing that, uh, like how she used to just be like a different kind of con artist, for lack of a better way to phrase it. Well, well and that's well, basically uh, what the there, mermaid's there, doing, right? Well, exactly. There, is a par- there actually is a parallel there, now I think about it, is that you know, she has had to, the mermaid has to transform many times in order to do what she does, and then this person has had to take on multiple identities and roles and kind of make people believe what they want in order to get anywhere in life, and, um, you know, so I think that that's kind of what they're setting up there. Um, but the, uh, the weird, I, I, have, I could have sworn that uh, she and the mermaid were going to, like, Kiss, or I, I could have sworn that they were going to do that. And then, then I looked. Maybe you wish they would have done that. Then it would have totally been a Skinamax movie. Well, I was going to say, like, then I looked it up later and I was like, oh, this is a Cinemax movie. Okay, <laughs> I get it. I get it now. But, uh, yeah, because at, at first I was like, okay, gee whiz, we, we already had the, you know, weird sexual pairing of the merman and the, uh, you know, deaf meat woman in, uh, in uh, the shape of water, and now we got uh, you know mermaid on girl action here. So it's like we're, we're and I'm getting we're so covering sick up all the this movie. Well, it's like we're Ed Splash, of course. So it's like you know we're we're really dragging the bottom of the fan fiction you know barrel here <laughs> as far as weird couplings. <laughs> you mean dredging the ocean floor? That's right. What fan fiction was cut out of the original cut? What was that? I, I said, one wonders what was cut uh, when they finally went and did the editing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they probably didn't have that much extra film, but it might have been a little. <laughs> yeah, but, like, but you saw, the, you saw the, uh, the hunger in her eyes there. She was, like, wanting to go for it, but then, yeah. you know, somebody had to step in and ruin it. You know, like, I, the way they shot that, like, it had a lot of really good tension to, I mean, yeah, if you're just in, like, cliche mode, you'd be like, oh, they're gonna, she's gonna kiss her, but I thought she was gonna just, like, bite her face off, like, that moment worked really well for me, it was, it was almost like the moment in Alien 3, where the alien just kind of examines Ripley, like, it made me think of that. Yeah, I was, I was like... You know, here we go. <laughs> and then it sort of happens later, like after the transformation. Mm-hmm. It's like, Egh. anybody else catch that? Like the mermaid's mouth, like up close, like after she's become the queen. There's like one solid tooth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was during the transition point. Well, to me, when the mer- oh, she had she had like a the thing she had like the fish lips, sort of like a bass does, like where it's not like, quite like fully attached. Denise, uh, her, her head, once she went into transition, looked like a puffer fish uh, 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 to, uh, to me. Uh, one of those fish uh, uh, that blows itself out with, uh, with little spikes. Mm-hmm. Actually, what what gave me uh, overtones, of course, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an old uh, D&D nerd, so, uh, but there's a... Uh, there's a race called, uh, was it Sahujan? Uh, something like that? Uh, a and they look a lot like it. They're just basically fishmen, and they—that's uh, what it looks a lot like. Almost 
Could have been inspired by that, of course. There's also Creature of the Black Lagoon overtones. So, um, they made figures for this, for that movie series, and if anybody can see my screen, um, I got a figure of the mermaid, Queen of Lair, from one of the cons that I went to, and so, uh, this is what she looks like. This thing is pretty awesome, so look at, uh, look at all that detail. (laughs) Oh, well, she's like, she's almost like a sea serpent, uh, which I thought was a very cool direction to kind of take the mermaid. Although it got much longer when she became the queen. And she has like that spiky thing on the on the end. Death, death tail, that's how she got Angus. Did him wrong with that death tail. Yeah. <laughs> well at least it looked pretty fast. Like that was, I was like, oh well yeah, okay. Did anyone else have anything else to add to the film? <laughs> Um, one of my favorite jokes ever is, like, from Angus's dialogue near the end, it's like, <laughs> if you're looking down on us, I'm gonna say it wrong, but this is how I remember it in my head. Because <laughs> uh, normally in moments like that, it's just like, oh, they're gonna pray for mercy. It's like, no, they're gonna ask for help. <laughs> uh, which, for some reason, like, was totally new to me. Uh, Going all the way back to the beginning of the episode, the first time I saw this, I first saw this on the Sci-Fi Channel when I was maybe, like, 15, <laughs> and I thought this movie was really awesome, but I didn't know the name of it, yeah. and so for many years I was like, oh, I wonder what that really awesome movie was called. Oh, She-Creature! Uh, like, I don't think I knew the name until, like, three or four years afterward. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how those types of things happen. I mean, I had a movie like that, and then suddenly when I got the Empire box set, it just appeared in the box set one day. It's like, oh, well, that's that movie. <laughs> that's what that was, yeah. Well, it's like you see many of these uh, films that, that are either made for TV, you see them in bits and pieces, because you either catch them like in the, in the very middle or at the very end, and, you're, and you always catch them like... Um, what uh, when they either just started or uh, whatnot, and uh, then you're like, hmm, what was the name of that film? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so this is like like we already covered before. This is part of a series where they remade like a bunch of old uh, monster movies. Like, has anybody seen any of the other ones? I've seen Earth. I've seen Earth versus the Spider, and I love that one. Like, I think that's the only other one that's really any good. From what I can tell, I believe Earth versus the Spider was one of them, and wasn't the final days of Planet Earth another? Um, I know how to make a monster was one. Yeah, uh, there were there were five, right? It was like Teenage Caveman was another. That's yeah. right. And then, um, God. yeah, because they they came out with the, uh, these uh, films in what uh, what they called. Creature feature um, DVD. They came out with five of them. Yeah. So. yeah, that was why this one had like that weird, crummy graphic at the beginning. Creature features. And it's like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that. That's that was another thing that didn't uh, give me a lot of early promise for this, and then. <laughs> All of a sudden, the set, well, after the opening, then the setting all of a sudden changed to the... <laughs> the surprisingly you know, good drama unfolds, and you're like, wait, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what was that? You know, because, again, the logo looks so bad, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. We're going to get another, you know, movie that was made for $10 in someone's backyard, you know? Mm-hmm. And, then, it's and, then it, and then it turned out, no, we were getting a good movie. <laughs> Alrighty. So, uh, did anyone else have anything else that they, uh, they wanted to touch on the film? Um, I don't know if I already told, like, the other joke that really stands out. I, I know I did in the, previ- in the pre-show, uh, but when, like, they accidentally kill the old guy, like, he has, they, like, push him and he has a heart attack, and Bailey's freaking out, it's like, I'm going to hell! I'm going to hell! And, like, Angus just grabs him, it's like, calm down, you're not going to jail! I said I'm going to hell! Oh, I can't help you there. <laughs> yeah, I like that, and I liked, um, I just like mermaids in general. One 
this is the movie uh, that I'm thinking of is not uh, about mermaids, uh, you know, entirely, but it has mermaids in it. Is um, the two well, and I bring it up because it was one of the first times that I had uh, seen non glamorized uh, and non friendly uh, mermaids was the 2003 version of Peter Pan. Um, where there, the mm. mermaids are quite aggressive. Um, yeah. And uh, are they trying to kill Wendy in the Disney one? They're more like just trying. They're just being a little it, rough. With there them. was also uh, mermaids that were a little bit more violent in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on stream. Yeah, that's right. Actually, is, um, any, is anyone ever read Peter Pan? Not all of it. It's actually much darker and creepier than the Disney versions, and I believe the mermaids were kind of dark in that, too. Yeah. I was I was going to say Peter Pan was a book. I started off as a, it started off oh as a stage play. Yeah, that's how I first saw Peter Pan was as a play. Yeah, it, uh, it started off as a play, and, uh, you know, it... Uh, was something that evolved into a book and then you know, entered the public domain and it, uh, you know, everybody, anyone who wants to do a Peter Pan movie can do one. Also, um, I've got to say, there's a long tradition in manga and anime of mermaids being depicted in much darker tones. Like, we, uh, except in my family saw Mermaid Forest last week, it's a sequel, you know, the prequel to Mermaid Scar, which is one of the best horror films I've ever seen. Um, but also the series Rosario to Vampire, where they have lots of different uh, creatures. The mom that series are evil, little, nasty characters. <laughs> they tend to play them a lot darker, and, 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 and I liked how the movie tied it into the Legends of the Sirens, because that... That was actually something I was going to do in my own writings when I get there one of these days. It's just... It is just a different uh, variation of the same legend, but the sirens are definitely a very dark story. <laughs> and that's pretty much how they decided to set up the ending, is they used the siren story uh, to set up that ending, and that really was a... To me, I thought it was a great way to end it by doing that to the island, because that's exactly what the mermaids and the sirens, if you combine the tales, that's what their their job is to do, is to wreck ships. <laughs> yeah. Which really well, that was that was pretty eerie too. At the end, where she's just like throwing the corpses overboard, and there are dozens of mermaids just like pulling them under. It was like, Egh. yeah, I, I really love that, and I that was an example of uh, less is more, where like you didn't have to see them all in detail, but just seeing the multitude—that's what sold it. And uh, you know, just hearing them shrieking and being very hungry for meat and all that stuff was just like, oh, that that was nice. I just felt like it was someone standing on the dock throwing food out to the fishes and them going, it just, uh, <laughs> It was surprisingly effective. I liked the queen's body language when she was throwing out the meat uh, to the other mermaids. You know, she was very kind of clearly showed that she was a leader without having to say anything. Well, um, did anybody, uh, sort of side note, did anyone ever see the somewhat related Courage of the Cowardly Dog episode? <laughs> I remember Courage of the Cowardly Dog. I didn't uh, watch it as religiously as one of the creatures. One of the creatures' courage encounters is this. Um, she's called the Queen of the Black Puddle. Mm. So she's this somewhat elvira looking thing that appears in puddles of water, and she <laughs> like lure. She she can. She can appear in, like, a body of water, and they all somehow connect to, like, her undersea castle, and, like, she drags Eustace down there, and she's just, like, pretending to seduce him, like, she's putting, like, jewelry on him, and Courage goes to save him, and he's around the castle grounds, and there are skeletons with, like, the same necklace, like, that she gave Eustace all over them, and when Eustace isn't looking, she's turning into, like, an anglerfish-like monster. And I was like, hey, did they see this movie, too? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Billy and Mandy has a lot of obscure references to, like, the Cthulhu mythos and things like that all throughout. 
Uh, plus it's like Queen of the Lair, Queen of the Black Puddle, they hit you on the head with it pretty hard. Yeah. That's Mermaid Chronicles Volume 2. <laughs> Maybe. Why not? Damn, I love this movie. What's interesting is uh, mermaids are, uh, to, uh, to me, quite similar to, uh, uh, what, what is it, uh, Gorgons uh, as well. Um, story. Yeah. Uh, Gorg- I, I believe that Sirens, Gorgons, and Mermaids are all within the same family um, of, you know, mixture. Uh, One me- big happy monster family. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, uh, did anyone else have anything else to add? <laughs> I think that about covers it. Okay. Do, you have, do you have anything, Katie? Not really. I see. I might make it was just thinking about the makeup stuff, and we kind of makeup and effects, and we kind of touched on that. So that was my favorite part. Okay. So I just love the jokes, and like, go see this movie. I mean, it's not like the it's not like the best thing ever, but it's pretty damn good for it's, what it is. Quite a bit. It's several layers above. It's several floors, layers, whatever you want to say. Several levels above. Uh, you know, made for TV movies. <laughs> Alrighty. And it so, plays uh, fast, too. Like, I was never bored watching this movie, which is very difficult for any movie, even movies I like to do. Well, I'm bored with rewatching it, uh, uh, for sure. So, in any case, uh, why don't we start with you, uh, Brandon? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hello? Yeah, you. <laughs> Okay, sorry, I got cut off there. Well, uh, I run a channel called Septum Sin vs. the World, and uh, we talk about physical media and the joys of collecting and appreciating physical media. Uh, we do reviews, uh, we do releases, and we have recently brought back the Vlogcast, uh, which is our uh, time where we just sit around and talk about nothing, really. And, uh, you know, the typical thing that you listen to in the background while you're doing something else. <laughs> Next week, we are going to be working on another top 15 list, which is of uh, anime series that we feel need a re-release uh, to complement the original top 15 we did of anime series that need an American release. Okay. Cool. So, um, uh, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hi, I'm Kabuki Jake, as, uh, as he said, uh, I asked for a guest on Substitute vs. World, and, uh, basically, uh, work, you know, one of my other jobs, of course, in the work library, so I deal with media all the time, and it's just it's a fun hobby, and I always enjoy you know, reading, viewing, what have you, and I love uh, people about, uh, <laughs> about these things. And, um, yeah, it's like you said, we got this big list coming up. I'm hoping we can do like a semi regular, uh, and of course, you know, any, any, any movie geeks, feel free to throw some ideas out. But um, that's pretty much it at the moment. I'm working <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body positive horror artist and alternative model. You can find me at patreon.com slash katiecadaver or on Instagram at 3rdeye0pen. I'm also the makeup artist for horror punk band Rap at Spider, and you can listen to them on Bandcamp or go see them live uh, Saturday, August 11th at Frank's Power Plant with the Slurs and Voice of Addiction. Uh, and I'm also a dead girl for Deggers Dark Coffin Classics, and you can watch episodes at vimeo.com slash ddcc. And I perform and produce for Grindhouse Tease Burlesque. 
And um, I'm going to be performing on Friday, August 10th with the Cream City Cabaret for the Flesh Trade After Party. Um, also, there's going to be a couple bands there. Something to do and Lady Cannon. So come out and see us at Cream City Cabaret uh, at Frank's Power Plant on Friday, August 10th. Um, and I am also editor for Movies Galore of Milwaukee. And currently looking into um, some interesting films that to possibly review. And then I had I threw out to, to David an idea for a movie for us to do. Which um, I just found it. On the podcast. Yeah, he has it. Uh, 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 what is it? Uh, it's called Honey Spider. Hmm. Hmm. Um, it's, it's uh, the guy who directed the making of Rob Zombie's 31 um, actually directed this movie as well. Like the, the, the making of the documentary. Josh Hasty, yeah. Okay. And it sounds like a good one, so I thought it would be fun, like, even if we did it closer to Halloween, because it's kind of uh, a fun Halloween movie. Alright, well, we'll keep that uh, that one in, in uh, mind for the future. Maybe we can save that one for Halloween, uh, Halloween, or or what, or whatnot. So, uh, right around the corner. Uh, Dustin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, I live in Milwaukee, and I um, collect horror movies, figures, and basically anything else I encounter. Uh, I'm supposed to be an editor for Inside Movies Galore, and I'm working on some. Well, I'm working on a film review that I've been unspeakably <laughs> lazy slash roadblocked on creatively. Uh, so that'll be... I'm going to force myself to just do it pretty soon. So it just needs, like, rewrites. Uh, I also have an Instagram where I try to showcase the stuff I find. Uh, DHR Hunter, all one word on Instagram. Um... Uh, I've also started trying to do some, uh, I did my very first attempt at a collection video, just showing off uh, some of the stuff I found, um, uh, and that should appear on Septim's channel at some point in one of his videos, from what I understand. Uh, hopefully the link worked. <laughs> uh, that's what you sent me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh... I tried, I tried using, uh, my phone was like, oh, share using app you've never heard of, and it's like, well, we'll see if it works. <laughs> um, so, there's that. Uh, I chose to send, uh, the very first thing I found on my first collecting trip into Milwaukee. Well, okay, technically second, but, you know, I didn't really find anything that exciting the first time. Like, there was a pawn shop down the street, and, like, that's where I went, and I found Little Shop of Horrors on Blu-ray, and Ooh. that was it. Uh, but this was from uh, one of my favorite memories of going out to this Goodwill really far away and just finding, like, I think a hundred or so dollars worth of, like, rare horror movies for, like, ten bucks. Cool. So, yeah, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, also working on scheduling interviews with people who do stuff just related to horror. Um... And I have also started appearing on uh, some other project, podcast project. Um, not gonna lie, don't remember the name, but I'm everywhere. You, keep, you have to follow me across different channels it's and dimensions. <laughs> he doesn't remember what they are, so we'll get back to you. We've created a monster. Um, something. And you need to let me know how to cross dimensions. I'm curious. It might be reptilian. <laughs> I stole that. I stole it from one of my favorite podcasts. Like, the guy was talking about his other projects on his main thing, and the co-hosts were joking. It's like, yeah, you have to follow him across all the different mediums. And then he just chimes in in the background. And dimensions! He just says it like that. I love that joke. Damien, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I am Dan Kyle, independent uh, filmmaker out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, the reason why I mentioned the uh, convention in the beginning was because uh, Jill, my girlfriend, and I were there 
uh, to promote her uh, web series that I directed called Asylum Origins Harley. And it's basically a new take on Harley Quinn's backstory. And uh, can't say a whole lot more than that, but uh, we were there promoting it. And she was in full costume. Everybody loved her. And we had a good time. And, uh, you know, got the brand out there, which is nice. And so that's that's on the horizon. Um, and uh, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, I, interestingly enough, uh, after we announced the show, like, my friend requests have been just going through the roof uh, on on Facebook. So be another one of those people, anyone else who's listening, and go ahead and send a friend request or, you know, find me and just keep up to date on everything. Cool. Uh, in any case, uh, definitely like, uh, share, subscribe. My name is uh, David Stregge, and I run Inside Movies Galore. And I discuss it with uh, with this rowdy bunch, and uh, we, uh, we like to talk about different mo uh, uh, movies from time to time. So uh, definitely, um, if you enjoy listen uh, listening, um, comment down below um, uh, what your thoughts were, uh, were uh, uh, how we described the film to ourselves. And hey. and uh, Does Justin talk too much. Let your voice be heard. <laughs> definitely. Uh, De uh, definitely look out for more uh, exciting films that we'll uh, have down the road for you. In any case, uh, um, I have uh, uh, finally received a rough copy of Wrestle Massacre. So, it's real. Uh, Holy shit. This, uh, I don't know whether we'll be discussing it here or not, but if anyone wants to, I'm sure that we can. Remember, it is the rough cu uh, cut, so I don't know whether it is the uh, going to be the final version or, or not. But we, we could definitely, possibly do it one of the uh, one of these uh, one of these meetings. So uh, um, definitely look out for a possible review online first, and then uh, and then possibly a discussion about it. So uh, in any case, like, share, subscribe, and enjoy your evenings or mornings as you see it. Alrighty, everyone, say good night. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thank you.